Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Banquet Hall Podcast. As always, my name is Kyler Nathan. I'm your host. Uh, new listeners, make sure you will tap in with the podcast at Banquet Hall Pod. Uh, follow on social media. I know some of you are coming in just to hear Cleopatra's story. Make sure you all stick around for some of the older stories of the Banquet Hall Pod as well. Uh, plenty of stories coming towards your way. Uh, this is actually going to be, we're recording this early, but this is going to be the first episode of 2024. So happy new year to any of our listeners. Hope you all had a good New Year's. I'm manifesting that both of us had a great New Year's before this is even posted. Uh, So ready to get it going. Uh, Our guest today is the one, the only Cleopatra. Cleopatra, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. (laughs) (laughs) Good to hear. I'm doing great as well. Uh, Today was actually my last day at work for the year, going on my holiday vacation. And I'm not going anywhere but to visit family, but it just feels nice to know that tomorrow morning I don't have to check no emails. I don't got to work. I don't got to do nothing. I'm looking forward to it. Yes. I'm I'm not in the same boat, but I love that for you. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate the support. Uh, so what I've been doing lately, I've been starting the podcast off with random icebreaker questions. I just think of randomly at the top of my head. And as Cleopatra is the second game owner to be on the podcast, make sure I'll tap in with Play Black Wall Street if y'all haven't already. Uh, I thought that the question of today would be just outside of your own game. What is your favorite game to play, whether it's in a family environment, a friend environment? What's your favorite game to play? So I'm not like a video gamer, but like party games, that is my vibe. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, I'm the oldest of six kids. So like my whole family, we play charades, um, headbands, if you heard of that. Um, Of course, spades and uno and dominoes, like we're all about games. Um, But right now as an adult, like the link up for me is probably Under the Influence, if you've ever heard of that game black box and the thing that I think is so dope about that particular game is it's like many games inside of one so you can take out a category that's family friendly and play it you know with them with coworkers, or you know if you you with the crew and y'all really about to get into some shenanigans you can play the all black card so I love that game it's really fun yeah I haven't had the opportunity to play under the influence but definitely have heard of it and seen it uh, I think that Amazon has my algorithm down to a T because I can always see some new board game with like party game or creative questions. And I read some of the questions like, dang, like, is this a good game? So I try not to buy every game I see, but I love just the energy of party games, whether it's getting to know people or just fun ways to get some drinks going uh, or just ways to connect with people that uh, maybe you haven't connected with in a while. I think games are just such a fun way Uh, to connect with folks i think that my favorite game i definitely agree with you in terms of party games i am a video gamer but i think that my favorite game is spades i just think that spades it hits my competitive side uh there's a team aspect of it shout out to anyone who's been my partner in spades listen to the podcast i just love spades so much it definitely ends some it it don't end real friendships but it show you the realness of real friendships i feel (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's what I always say when I'm at a party and I don't know everybody and they ask me do you play space I say no because uh, it can get out of control <laughs> it can get out of control so quickly and I think that when I'm at a party and I can when, once you ask once the space conversation comes up and you see a couple people get real excited I'm like okay y'all play space but then I feel like it's always the fourth person where to be like, oh you play space it'd be like yeah no no you don't play space because if you're not saying it immediately you do not play space i'm that person that's like oh yeah i mean i get the concept i know the rules but my short-term memory is not the best i might mess you up (laughs) ah uh you can't be my space partner then unfortunately Uh, but yeah, Spades, Dominoes, Uno, I love it all. I'm just such a competitive person. Do you, do you find yourself being a competitive person? I am. I would say that's just like me learning myself because at a point, if you ask me, I would say, no, it's all about fun. But if you ask any of my siblings, they will tell you, yes, absolutely. So I'm just owning that. Yes, I am competitive. (laughs) (laughs) 
Man, I I've always known I was competitive, but I feel like lately I'm starting to understand just how competitive I am because I've realized I have friends who like loathe playing games with me. They just do not want to play with me anymore. Whether it's because they say I always win or they just know that if I if I see the opportunity to talk some mess, I'm gonna talk some mess. So it's it's all fun though. It's all fun and it comes from a place of love at the end of the day. <laughs> Well, are you talking mess whether you winning or losing or only oh absolutely winning? nah winning or losing i feel like it's more fun to talk mess when you're losing because it's like yeah i'm losing i'm not afraid of that i'll stand on business right here <laughs> <laughs> i love that what about you are you talking mess when you're losing or just when you win it win lose or draw i'm still talking <laughs> still talking <laughs> I feel like in some games I lose bad and I talk the most mess. Like, yeah, like this is nothing. I'm all I'm good for a running back. Like, if you're not ready to run it back, I don't think you really won. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, but in the spirit of games, I hope that folks are listening to this, ending their holiday break. Hopefully, whoever's listening to this, you were the champion at whatever games were played at the holiday table for your family whether you're celebrating christmas hanukkah kwanzaa or you're not celebrating anything at all uh this should be a fun episode so definitely looking forward to it uh the first question that i usually get started with the first formal question i should say uh cleopatra where are you from and how did that shape who you have become as a person and are in the process of becoming i'm from jacksonville florida duval county 904 um and i think one, it's it's huge. It's a huge city. A lot of people don't realize it's number one in the nation for land mass. Um, so it's huge. And to me, it's kind of that sweet spot. It's not a huge, huge city where there's tons of traffic and congestion and the housing prices are sky high, but it's not like backwoods. You got to drive 35 minutes to Walmart. It's just that perfect combination. Lots of businesses, tons of restaurants. You know, there's a huge stadium, um, but every place you go, there's going to be adequate parking for that establishment. Gotta love it. <laughs> <laughs> um it's just like uh you know everybody knows Florida is a swing state so you know you get your own little slice of racism there but it's also a sense of community um and I just I mean it's home I love it um and I think uh I didn't really realize I had an accent until you know I left Florida <laughs> that you know goes on and off you know sometimes how much you hear the twang and how much you don't but um yeah I think it definitely shaped who I am because you know that southern hospitality I'm definitely very friendly and approachable you know and I love to create lasting connections and I think oh that's from home yeah I love that. Definitely definitely can always feel the southern hospitality when you meet somebody from the south. Um, I think that in terms of people not necessarily, well, I'll speak to more so Californians. I didn't realize how bad Californians were with geography until I started meeting people from other states because I didn't know until I came to college that some people don't know that Florida is part of the South. I think they think about South Beach, they think about the Florida Keys and all that, but they don't realize that Florida is still part of the South when it's like literally the southernmost point of the United States, like when you get down to the tip of it. Um, no, that's I, thing. and I didn't know before I left Florida that like there's a whole percentage of the population that doesn't know we're part of the South. <laughs> it's crazy. And I think because most people that are not from Florida or haven't spent significant time there, they only think about Orlando and it's like Disney World, Melting Plot, everybody's there. Or they're thinking about Miami, you know, Latin vibes, and they think the rest of the state is like that. And I'm like, no, baby, it gets real rural down here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have not been to Florida yet, but it's definitely on my list. And I have to say, I'm very jealous when you mention uh, establishments that have adequate parking, because being from Los Angeles, living in San Diego, you'll go to a place that obviously was built for like 200 people to be at, and it's four parking spots at best. Like, come on. <laughs> Craziness. <laughs> but definitely love the city vibes. Uh, before we get into the details of the game that you created, I first wanted to give you an opportunity because you're more than just a game creator. Uh, you've performed at Black Expression. I would identify anyone who creates anything as a creative, as an artist. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to, to define yourself. How do you define yourself as a creative or as an artist? You know, I never even really considered myself mm -hmm. a creative. Um, 
even though I've been writing poetry for a long time and I do like plays and short stories and music, um, but sharing that with other people is still pretty new um, to me. Um, and even though I'm sharing it, it's not really for public consumption. Mm. To me, when I think about a creative an artist is somebody that is creating things um, that have personal value, but it's constructed in a way for other people to be able to understand whatever message you're trying to give or trying to, um, get people to do something, whether that's an action or get them to feel something. And for me, for the most part, it's really just like therapy. Like this is my diary out loud and I'm sharing this with other people as kind of like a way to cope, a way to release. Um, and I'm not trying to get anything particular one way or another from um, other people. But I had a, a talk kind of recently um, with a, a friend about that. And she was like, you know, there are a lot of people that wish they were able to articulate themselves in a certain way. And just the ability to do that, especially the willingness to share that with other people, that that's kind of what a creative is. You don't have to want a certain result or outcome for you to be um, that creative. So, yeah, I think that's kind of dope. I just found out. <laughs> uh, that's um, but, amazing. You know, part-time you know I don't do it full-time um active active in the military um that's like my, you know my primary job that's how I pay the bills um but on the side it, literally anything creative I'm willing and open to try so yeah well welcome to the the side that labels ourselves as creatives and artists because uh I would be shocked if I'm I'm shocked at the fact that you didn't think you were a creative or artist because I feel like creating a game, reading poems, you automatically creative in my book. And I definitely have heard people who say like, yeah, I just can't write poems or that doesn't do anything for me. So I think just a way to take what you're feeling, what you're thinking. And like you said, having it be a form of therapy and being able to create something out of it, regardless of what the end result of it. I feel like when you're creating something in some type of artistic art form, like that's all tied into being a creative. So welcome to the creative side. <laughs> and so you mentioned short stories, you mentioned plays, you mentioned poetry. When would you, if you had to set like a ticker on the timeline of when you got started with poetry, when would you say that you started writing poetry? In third grade. Yeah, in third grade, um, I had a teacher introduce us to Shel Silverstein. I don't know if you uh, remember him. He was super popular around the time. Had a book. I think it was called The Giving Tree. And it's just a book of short mm -hmm. poems. And I was just like in love with it. Um, I just felt like, wow, in this, in this one book, I can talk about 50 different things um, in short form, you know, maybe 10, 15 lines. But every single one of them tells a complete story. Each one is so powerful and unique. I just thought that was dope. And I was like, I think I could do that. And I started trying to do it. Yeah. And she really encouraged me, you know, and, with, you know, write notes to my parents and making sure that they were encouraging me, which they always have. So it was nurtured um, in a way that made me feel like it was valuable. Mm, I love that. I think that third grade might be the earliest someone has said that they've started on the podcast. I think a lot of folks that I've asked this question to, some of it's been in like high school or maybe slightly before high school, but that's dope that you've been writing since the third grade. And what about performing? Where, when did you start performing your poetry and sharing it more publicly and having people receive it? So I would say, so there's a big gap here. The first time I can ever remember sharing with other people besides like my parents and my teachers um, was in high school. I went to an apostolic church. Uh, my parents converted from uh, non-denominational but Baptist um, to apostolic. And I don't know if you know anything about uh, that denomination. Some people also refer to it as holiness, uh, but it's very, very, very strict. Um, mm. You know, literal definitions for everything in the Bible. Um, and it, just to be honest, it felt very suffocating. Um, and the one kind of like highlight was um, when the pastor found out that I did write poetry, he wanted me to write poems for the church. Mm. Um, you know, depending on whatever your gift is, you know, using that for God, for the glory of God. Um, so I would, every Bible study, not during the big Sunday services, but every Bible study, um, I would write a poem and then I would read it in front of the church. And I don't know if you notice this at Black Expressions, but more often than not, I usually sit down while I'm reading. 
And this is still like trauma from that. <laughs> because my voice would shake so bad. My voice would just be shaking, shaking, shaking. Where I, you know, I can hear it. It's almost feels like, I don't know if it sounds like that to them, but in my own head, I could hear my voice trembling. I could feel my hands shaking with the paper shaking. It's my foot just flopping all around. Um, and and in that setting, I never got comfortable. I did a poem, maybe maybe one or two poems a month for about a year during that time frame, and I just never got comfortable. <laughs> um, and then after that year, because I, I ended up, you know, this is later in um, high school, so I moved away from home shortly after. Um, and I don't remember ever sharing publicly um, anything creative that I wrote from that time, which this is around maybe 2004, 2005 up until 2020. Wow. So um, I just never <laughs> share anything with anybody else. Um, and in 2020, I was on a deployment, um, obviously also during COVID. And um, so everybody's just trapped on the ship, no port visits, um, just no opportunity to go out in town and do stuff that you normally would um, to make the time away from family seem a little, you know, less traumatic. Um, and so I was on a fun cat team. It's like a, a team you create to try to create a, a easier atmosphere for some of those young sailors that are spending their first time away from home. Um, and so I created uh, um it's not really a poetry slam. It's more like a poetry corner, but we called it a poetry slam. Uh, so we did the last Thursday of every month and we would just get out on the mess decks, which is where everybody eats their meals um, in the evening time. And then they would write poems. Like some of them um, would write raps. Some of them would just write like letters home that they wanted to read. Uh, but it was just supposed to be a space where we're not really in competition with each other. We're just creating a space where they can talk through their feelings. And so to kind of get it, get it going, I would go first every time. Okay, here's something that I wrote. Here's what I'm thinking and feeling here are my frustrations um and that really just like their responses to it and then afterwards you know them coming to me and saying oh I really love when you said that and you talked about you know family members being suicidal well I have this going on in my family and it really just opened my eyes to how you can connect with people if you're sharing um, some of your innermost thoughts that was a long-winded way saying 2020 was the earliest time um, that I can remember just genuinely being open and sharing um, some of my problems. Yeah, that's really dope that you're able to curate that space for people because as someone who has hosted open mics and uh, put on different poetry related events, there is something very powerful about being the first person to open that space and to be vulnerable, to be transparent, sharing a piece uh, on the mic just because like I feel like in that way you're giving people permission to be themselves and share and own their story uh, which is why uh, there's certain nights at Black Expression even where I'm kind of feeling the vibe of the room and I can tell nobody's really like that excited to go first or maybe it's a smaller crowd at first so I'm like all right let's like let's warm everybody up I'm gonna just pull pull a poem out and let's read it here um but yeah and it's just so magical the conversations that happen after the performances when people share about things that they're going through or things that you said that help them so that's really dope um so obviously now you're in san diego a little bit different than florida uh what are some of the things that you've learned about san diego that you either like that is different than florida or things that you like oh y'all san diego is kind of weird or y'all california is kind of weird <laughs> So this is my second time um, being stationed in San Diego. I was here from like 2018 to 2020 before. Then I was gone for two years and I just got back this past June. Um, I always say that West Coast vibes are weird. Now that's just because I'm a Southern girl. <laughs> um, but I mean, you can't beat the weather. That's number one off top. The weather is the best um it's kind of like a lot of overcast <laughs> for my days I'm used to it being just super hot and humid obviously because I'm from Florida um but I, I like it I like the weather I like the food there's a lot a lot of good food now it's really hard to get good soul food mm. but the obvious you know super close to the border but some of the best Mexican food I've ever had in my life so super super good there and there's just lots of new restaurants opening and 
to me, it seems like they're having longevity. You know, you see restaurants popping up all the time and then closing down. It seems like, it, I mean, the restaurant scene here, you can really make it. Um, so mm. I love uh, I love that there's so many day parties. That's my vibe. That's not a big thing, um, at least where I'm from in the South. That's not a huge thing. Like people get off work and take a nap and then maybe you go out 10, 11 o'clock at nighttime. <laughs> No, I love being able to, you know, eat brunch and dance, you know, sweat your hair out, get home, take a shower, put your body on, and it's on the same thing, you know. I love <laughs> day party vibes is is a huge thing here uh, in San Diego, and pretty much every night of the week, if you wanted to do something. You know, there's farmers markets. Um, you know, there's museums here. There's just a lot to do. So I really, really love that. Those those two, the weather and just the amount of activities to do is great. Um, the only detractors for me, um, you know, because I'm single, there's not enough Black guys here. <laughs> <laughs> That's the major downside for me. And, you know, and just the sheer lack of parking is shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the lack of parking. Um, definitely not the first person to mention the lack of Black people in general. I know that San Diego has their pockets, but I feel like for people who come from areas where they're used to seeing much more density of Black people, like when you go to the store, it's not surprising if you see a Black person. Uh, whereas in San Diego, sometimes, like, there's been several times I go to Target and I'm the only Black person besides the cashiers. I'm like, this is weird, y'all. And nobody's seeing this as weird. <laughs> uh, but uh, the West Coast vibe... The West Coast vibe, I, I love a good West Coast vibe, but obviously I'm biased because I'm a West Coast SoCal boy, born and raised, um, but I, I I understand it. I understand for sure. <laughs> so um, with regards to going back to Black expression, because we've mentioned Black expression a couple of times, and I know some of the folks that are going to tune into this have seen you at Black expression, and it's actually funny. So we're recording this at like, 4 30 4 o'clock 4 30 p.m on a wednesday literally two and a half hours ago uh, ayana uh, had messaged me because i had a note on my story it was like oh who do you want to see on the podcast and she said oh you should interview cleopatra i'm like oh i literally am going to be on a zoom call with her in two hours recording this episode so that's dope that the people already want to hear your story and through this podcast as i interview folks from black expression i want people who have yet to come to Black Expression to be able to get insight to what this community space means for people. So what can you say that you've gained with regards to being a part of the Black Expression community? First off, I love it. I love the atmosphere. I mean, of course, you love the intent of it, but just sometimes you design something with a certain goal in mind and you're trying to create a certain space but it just never quite comes to fruition you know it just turns out different than you anticipated um and I don't know what that original vision was but for me I can only imagine that you know it's grown leaps and bounds about the impact in the community for me I just think it's amazing um and I went I used to go to kind of a similar kind of like you know we can do open mic night but it's mostly poetry because in most cities you go to open mic night it's mostly musicians that are playing so it's not mm -hmm. a ton of space um, that I've experienced that are mostly poetry, which I love. Um, but one thing I think that's really, really unique about Black Expressions is it's so open. You can do anything. Like we've had people come and do stand-up. Sometimes, you know, you just had a bad day. People can go on there and just give you a little rant. It's, it's genuinely an open space to just talk things out, whatever you're thinking and feeling, which I think is amazing and dope. So, you know, that kind of intimidation aspect of oh I don't know what to say or I have this piece I really want to share it's heavy on my heart but it's not polished I haven't memorized it like that stigma is completely removed from this environment and I think that's very very unique for black expressions um I also think they they keep the dollar value so low like especially in California things are expensive um so I love that that priority to keep it accessible to the community um yeah and I, I've gone to other ones like there was one in Memphis when I was uh, stationed there that I would go to every Monday night. <clears throat> but I was worried I wasn't going to be able to find something similar here. But I mean, <laughs> from my perspective, it's much better than the one that I went to before. Just because, and when I describe it to my friends, because I've been trying to get all my friends to go, when I describe it, I always say, you know, it's open to everybody, but it's home for the weird Black kids. You know, the ones that... <laughs> 
um, you know, you feel comfortable in other rooms, but in this room, no matter what your vibe is, you're going to fit in, you know? And so I love that. I felt very comfortable right away. I just found it randomly on Eventbrite, just trying to type in poetry, see what would come up. And um, yeah, I've been coming every week that I'm in town since that first time. So that should tell you something. <laughs> what a what a perfect description. And, and I love the idea of like everybody's welcome at Black Expression, uh, but it definitely is home for whatever niche Black identity you have. I feel like there's someone who's rocking with your energy at Black Expression. Like I was talking to one of my friends. She was like, yeah, I want to meet some like alt emo Black girls. I'm like, oh, come through to Black Expression. You'll find whatever type of Black person you want to interact with, whether you're into astrology, if you think astrology is dumb, if you love comedy, if you love anime, there's there's somebody at Black Expression for you. And that's something that you just don't get, especially in a city where it can be hard to find people who look like you. It's dope that you can come into a space like Black Expression and not only see people who look like you, but see people who give you permission to be like the fullest version of you. And I think that that goes down to the people who are performing, the people who are hosting, the people who are taking pictures, and our vendors. And I think that sometimes you go into Black Expression, you see people selling food, you might see people doing henna, tattoos, uh, people who are running for office. Like, there's just so many ways that we're trying to build this community. I think that's really dope. And that's also a good segue to talk about uh, Keep It A Buck, because obviously, uh, some folks have gone to Black Expression and they've seen this wonderful pink box at the back table. Uh, Keep it a buck, the adult party game, a game about transparency requiring vulnerability and fearlessness. A little tequila helps too. What a tagline. Uh, so the first question I have for you with regards to Keep it a buck is just what made you want to create your own party game? So it started with a Halloween party that I threw. And I'm really big on just party games in general. And everybody knows, like, if I'm throwing a kickback, it's going to be a lot of food and we're going to play games. That's just my thing. Um, and just because it was like Halloween, you know, everybody wants to, you know, well, not everybody. A lot of people want to, you know, have their whole attire out. Is You have that permission <laughs> on Halloween. So the intent was to just create, like, some risque party questions to answer. So I literally just wrote a bunch of questions on some index cards. Um, and put them in like a little Halloween bucket. Um, just thinking of what I think would be like shock value kind of questions. Ooh, you know, tell everybody about this. Um, and it was a big hit. Like all my friends really enjoyed it. And um, every kickback that I went to after that, people would ask me, did you bring your game? Did you bring your game? I'm like, it's not a game, but okay, I got it in my trunk. So I just would ride around in my car with it. Um, and then I had a friend ask me, he was going to like a big retreat, like a singles retreat. And um, he wanted to take it with him there. So I was like, okay, I think people like this, like for real, let me try to make it a real thing. Um, so yeah, and then the process was just trying to figure out um, how do you create a game and how do you get manufacturing and what does that look like? Uh, but yeah, it was an accident. Just wanted to do something fun for a party and then people really liked it. Hey, I think that's where some of the most unique, wonderful inventions and creations are made. It's a complete accident that is filling a very needed need. And I love that you had a group of people around you who were able to affirm what you have created. Cause I think so often somebody can create something like that and their friends do it and enjoy, but then never give any feedback or affirmation to it. So I think it's very powerful and important that you were able to get that affirmation and get it created. And so you mentioned like wanting to come up with questions that were like hot topic or you have a wow factor to them. Uh, were there questions that were harder to create or easier to create? Or what was that process like coming up with the questions? I think for the original version, it was literally all about shocking people and getting people to laugh, loosen up and have fun. Um, when I went to creating the actual game to like market and sell, I wanted it to be a little more balanced um, and kind of like the hot thing right now is um, kind of relationship-based conversations, you know, in, in podcasts, but I think in life in general, that's always kind of a men versus women perspective um, on relationships and sex. Um, and also thinking about kind of how I grew up, you know, very heavily in the church and, you know, from the South and, you know, that fire and brimstone type of church environment um, that shamed sexuality in women mm -hmm. um, and, and admitted 
like I was an adult woman that was like embarrassed to say, yeah, I have sex and I like it too, you know? <laughs> so trying to create um, a game that's not just shock value, it's more so about being open and transparent about, hey, these are the things that I have tried or that I would like to try. Hey, here are my thoughts and opinions on relationships as well, not just sex. Um, so it was very important for me to make it a little more balanced. So it's still some of that shock value in there because that's just fun, especially because it's a party game, it's a drinking game. But there's also some deeper questions in there too that I think people enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when I first purchased my own box of the cards, I was just thumbing through the questions and uh, laughing and being shocked at the different questions. And also like, dang, like that's a that's a good ass question. Why has nobody why has nobody asked that in a party game before? So definitely encouraging listeners uh, to go ahead and pick up a copy of Keep It a Buck. You can get it at Black Expression and we'll definitely talk about uh, other places you could buy it towards the tail end of the podcast. Uh, but just to give some folks a little bit of insight to how the game works. So there are pink cards as well as blue cards. Uh, the pink cards are the quote unquote safe cards that are used to kickstart a great conversation. Uh, blue cards, it got the devil horns at the top. And these are the sexy cards uh, that require you to answer or act out wild questions. And when I say act out wild questions, when I saw some of those act out questions, I was like, oh, this will, this will get the party started. Because I think there was like one question, and obviously you created the answer, Kirby, wrong, but isn't there one question about like acting out oral sex or something like that? Like, how do you yeah. give oral sex? Yeah, demonstrate or describe <laughs> how you perform oral sex. <laughs> uh yeah i just just kudos to you for coming up with such fun questions i think this is an excellent uh party game just because especially one of the reasons i wanted to have you on the podcast there are so many party games out there but i don't think we get a lot of visibility to black owned party games and card games so to be able to introduce people to a black owned card game adult party game because Black folks always need a nice little game to play with their friends. <laughs> so definitely was excited about this one. I wanted to pull one of the pink cards just to be able to give the listeners a question that they can answer in the comments and on the Spotify poll, but for us to talk about on the podcast for a bit too. And this is actually one that I pulled at Black Expression uh, not too long ago. And so the card says, think about your most toxic ex. What was his, her, or their zodiac sign? So listeners, if you are listening to this, head on over to the Spotify poll and let us know your most toxic ex. If you're on YouTube, leave it in the comments. Cleopatra, I assume that you've thought about this question before. Uh, do you have an answer to which the most toxic ex is zodiac sign? Oh, yes, child. My most toxic ex was a Taurus. Uh, oh yeah, I remember. I remember you said this on the mic, and I'm a Taurus, and I felt offended. <laughs> oh gosh, super, super, just like you know, attractive and charismatic, um, New Yorker. Um, I don't know how much information to put out there. He uh, he's from Brooklyn, but the family's from Trinidad and Tobago, so you know those they're a little spicy. Uh, but for me, it was just so toxic because the lies, child, the lies. You know, y'all real stubborn anyway, uh, but that stubbornness mixed with, I don't know, when you telling the truth and when you not, it was just too much. <laughs> you might be right oh, or whatever. Super. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Yeah, I, I just remember, I'm, I'm answering it too, but I remember when I asked it at black expression there are some people who just yelled it out right away i'm like oh y'all got some toxic exes if y'all thought about it that quickly like it was just oh what was your most toxic gemini like damn <laughs> um I let's what's your what's your sign before i give my answer i'm a cancer okay gotcha so mine is a leo um uh, i'm gonna say july leo specifically because i got best friends that are august leos um and honestly like they're not even that toxic is just if i had to choose up most toxic eggs i would say it was the leo so uh all love if the leo is listening to this podcast which they're probably not listening to the podcast uh but it's all love on this side listeners leave y'all most toxic eggs 
Zodiac sign in the comments. If y'all want to give us a fun story about why they toxic, please do. Like I, I read all the YouTube comments. So uh, if y'all have a funny story, I will read it. Or if you want to send us a voice memo and vent about your most most toxic ex, like let us know. Um, but back to back to the questions at hand. Do you have a favorite question from the game? I would say my favorite pink card to like relationship safe question is um, if you had to send an ex to therapy for one issue, what would it be for? Because um, I just think it's like self-reflection is really, really good. Um, so just thinking about those past relationships and not thinking about the things the person necessarily did to you, but thinking about their thought process, what they must have been going through to act out in that way. So identifying things that can be worked on. And then if they had the wherewithal to work on that, what would you want them to do? I just think that's a dope question. That's my favorite pink ones. Yeah. My favorite, like blue cards, naughty cards. Um, there's one that says, you know, if you have naughty photos on your phone, select someone to show a picture to. I just think that gets the people going because everybody got a few in their phone. Even if it's in that little secret folder, you got something in there. So now pick somebody to show one too. <laughs> Ah <laughs> uh, man, just preparing and doing this podcast. I just, I just want to host a party now and just play this game because I want to be in the environment and see these questions play out. And I think that one of the things that we haven't mentioned yet explicitly, and I love that you included this on the instruction cards, says be honest and open because if anyone thinks you're holding back or not telling the truth, they can yell out, keep it a buck. I love calling people out because you know it'd be people you ask a question and they give you the sugar-coated, not real answer. I'm going to be the first one like, nah, keep it a buck. <laughs> Or they lie. I've been in games where people lie about a question and their homegirl is like, no, ma'am. <laughs> Keep it a butt. <laughs> I was uh, there with you. You did that before. <laughs> yeah, friends going to call you out on your stuff for sure. Uh, do you have any funny stories that are safe to tell on the podcast? And safe to tell meaning that you're not about to out anybody's right. like story that was supposed to keep secret uh but any funny stories whether or not they're pg-13 who cares but any funny stories from a time you played um just what comes off the top of my head is um there's a card that's about it basically says to act out your favorite sex position and so this is a co-ed party that we're at um and i know everyone well but they don't know each other well Mm. Um, and so one of my, she's tall like me. She's maybe like five eleven, maybe six feet tall. Super, super thick, like thighs, butt, just like you know, goddess. And um, this little old guy, <laughs> I don't know, he might have been like five six, five seven, skinny. That she chose to assist her, and of course, her favorite position is back shots, child. Thought she was gonna throw him through the wall. He was holding on for dear life. <laughs> I enjoyed it, child. They were actually acting it out. So I was like, ooh, okay, that's the type of time we on. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so funny. I just I can just imagine it. As soon as you, when you said skinny, I was like, oh gosh. Uh, that is so funny. Um, are there any plans for expansion packs or what's the next level of keep it a buck? Because I feel like eventually we're going to need some new cards or a 2.0. What's what's the what's the next level for keep it a buck? So I've been throwing around some ideas. One is still in its infancy. So I'm still like, you know, trying to get the marketing together, figuring out what my actual strategy is, um, you know, getting my sales and stuff up. You know, you don't want to invest too much money before, you know, you see a return. Um, but I definitely see it being a series, different um, target audiences for each one, because this one is very much co-ed. But I was thinking of doing kind of like a ladies night edition, mm. calling it, you know, keep it up, you know, colon, are you my daddy edition? Like questions about finding an ideal mate. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, I definitely see expanding for sure. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Hey, as many additions as you come out with, because I'm like, I, I'm with it. I think this game is so dope. So, so excited that uh, you get to explain it to some of our listeners. And hopefully, uh, even if it's just a few people, I hope a few people buy the game just from listening to you talk about it on this podcast. Uh, is there anything that you would say that you learned about yourself through the process of creating Keep It A Buck? 
would say, and it, I mean, it might sound silly, um, but even though I'm kind of like a self-proclaimed, you know, sexually liberated woman, because, you know, I've just grown leaps and bounds in terms of, you know, owning my own sexual identity, you know, being more vocal, um, you know, asking for and setting clear expectations about, hey, I deserve pleasure too. Here are the things that I want and expect. Um, so I'm in a much better place um, than I used to be. But there's still a lot of stuff that I haven't tried <laughs> that I would love to. I listen to all the sex podcasts. I can give you a whole laundry list um, of sex positive podcasts that I listen to. Um, and it's just all this exciting stuff um, that I want to get into, but I got to find a, you know, a, a quality partner. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just had in my mind that I was a lot more, um, and I think I am, I'm very sexually open, but I think I had in my mind, I was more adventurous than I was. But when I started writing out a lot of the questions, I'm like, I have not even done that. Or this, or this, or this. Yeah, I need to make up for lost time. <laughs> I think a lot of people um have or not a lot I think there there are quite a few women that have things that they would love to do if they had a partner that they felt safe with um mm. so yeah I, I think that was eye-opening for me I think that's such a powerful thing to call out because I think that well not even I think we as a society especially an American society uh, sex is such a taboo topic, and I think especially when it comes to women and uh, folks who aren't identifying as men, uh, when they're talking about their sexual experiences or being open about their sexual lives, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, like, why are you saying all that or being very dehumanizing or trying to silence people for talking about their own sexual liberation? And I think we've seen it a lot in contemporary times with a lot of the uh, female identifying rappers and artists out there who are being a lot more vocal about uh, their sexual identity, their sexuality. And so I think having a creative platform like a game, like an adult party game where you're encouraging and not forcing people, but having people talk about uh, sex in an open, fun manner that you can laugh with, you can have fun with and connect with people and make something that is a very human experience and action, something that's a lot more accessible and talking about it with people that you feel safe with, people that you can have fun with. So uh, yeah, just love that that's what you learned about yourself and the experience. And I can only imagine how many people, as they get this game in their hands, will also have similar things that they learn about themselves and grow to know about themselves. And I think the last question I have specific to keep it a buck, what advice do you have for someone who wants to make their own game, whether it's a adult party game like keep it a buck, or if they have another idea for any type of game that they want to create, what's your advice for them? I would say two things if you're not someone that is like a visual creative um don't feel like you have to go to those template already ready websites there's a lot of websites that allow you, you know create your own card games create your whatever kind of game that you want and there's these set templates already there originally I felt like well this is what I have to use because I don't have that type of talent I can't draw out or visualize a concept and then you know um get that part of it done so but when you go that route one you don't have as much creative control but then also the price point the price point is so high um and the volume the quantity they want you to start out with is so high so if it's costing you 15 18 to make one of these how much do you have to sell it for it that's that's not a reasonable feasible price point for you um okay so to get the price down i gotta buy two thousand of them okay that's a lot of startup capital i don't know if i'm gonna be able to sell all of these um, so I would recommend Upwork. Um, if, if you haven't heard of it, Upwork is a great website. There's an app version of it, and it's literally for all types of creative people. So you can link with someone to help you build your social media. You can link with someone to help you design a logo. Um, they can help, like in my case, they helped me design the logo. They also helped me shoot um, photography for some of the marketing images. They also helped me design. Like I, I came with, hey, I 
think I want it to look like this and this. Took some like screenshots online of similar things I kind of wanted to feel like, and they created an all new image from that. Um, and then gave me several variations. Do you like any of these? I'm like, well, I like this, but I want the color to look like this. I want the font. And they can do all that. And it's very, very reasonably priced because they're all freelancers. Um, so definitely recommend that. And then also, you know, obviously you want to keep it in America if you can, but the reality is when you're starting out, you will probably have to go overseas. I ended up having mine uh, manufactured in China just to for the price point. Like, that's just what it is. Um, one thing to keep in mind, just another tip too, because I had no idea what I was doing. So I was trying to figure my life out for a long, long time. Um, make sure you understand the tariffs. So they give you a quote that tells you, hey, this is the amount um, that's going to cost per item to ship it to you. But there's usually, you know, shipping costs, tariffs and other taxes that you'll have to pay once it arrives here in the U.S. So just to make sure you're accounting for all that in your budget. I think those are all very practical and very good pieces of advice for our listeners, because I think one of the other inspirations behind wanting to do this podcast was to be able to demystify a lot of these processes for people. Like I recently got an MBA at UCSD, so I've learned a lot about price points, about drop shipping, about marketing and all these things in a lecture hall. And I'm like, how do we translate this for people who may not have access to higher education or may not be able to afford classes or a consultant to figure this stuff out for themselves? So I think it's so impactful when we're able to have an opportunity to share the story about, hey, this is where I started. These are the questions that I had. This is what these are what obstacles I ran into, uh, because I think Upwork is definitely a great resource that maybe not a lot of people know about. And I've even started to put myself on Upwork. I haven't officially made the profile yet, but uh, wanting to help people with the writing aspect, because I think sometimes people have like a lot of ideas that they have, but maybe don't know the most succinct or uh descriptive way to describe what they're trying to say and so just trying to find ways that I can help people who are struggling to tell their stories so I'm sure if you're listening to this and have an idea uh, there are so many different people out there who are looking to help in ways that they're very passionate about so uh, yeah it takes a village and sometimes that village is people you don't know in life but are still trying to make it themselves too <laughs> and so getting to the second tail end of or second half the tail end of the podcast I have some more questions just specifically about you as a person, just so as folks are playing Keep It A Buck or considering buying Keep It A Buck, they have more of an idea of some of the things that make you who you are. Uh, the first question, uh, this segment is called The Fourth Place. And the idea behind The Fourth Place is there's this case study that I learned in or I read about in my MBA class uh, about a coffee shop that was trying to figure out how they wanted to segment themselves. And they wanted to be the third place between work and or school and the home. So this third place that people can gather to socialize, have a break from life, whatever it may be. And so with the fourth place, the question I have for my guests is, where is your Zen place? So outside of work, outside of home, outside of school, outside of a coffee shop, where is a place or a scenario or a set of circumstances where you feel the most peace of mind? I'm definitely an outdoors kind of girly. Um, so anytime I can be on a balcony or a rooftop or in a park, anywhere I can feel the sun on my skin, I can feel like a, a breeze on me, um, and preferably it's quiet. Um, and I can just have like, you know, my pods in and I'm just listening to, uh, there's a lot of, um, meditation playlists, um, on Apple music. Um, and I love love the idea of meditating I always have um but I have anxiety and I'm also just like a chatty Kathy like even when I'm not talking like my brain is always going 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 so meditation was really really hard for me because I felt like it has to be silence around me I have to sit in a quiet dark room I can't move and I need to learn how to quiet my thoughts um and it was just like a major breakthrough for me to realize no you can tailor this to fit you and what's going to be the most valuable for you um so and my meditation practices are usually outside um, I usually have a playlist, um, not of music, um, but of sound. And I remember we had a conversation mm -hmm. 
black expressions about Andre 3000 and the flute album. That's like a perfect um, album for that purpose. Janae Iko has a couple too, but just anything that is primarily instrumental and then has, you know, maybe one or two kind of repeat phrases where you're not thinking about what they're saying. Um, and so just picking a phrase that I want to say and repeating that kind of over and over to myself, calm down is my favorite one. Um, you're fine. It's fine. Um, and just it quiets my mind is greatly, greatly helped me with my anxiety and really just helped me with the way that I respond to things, you know, at work and in life. So my Zen place for sure uh, is meditating. Yeah. This is lovely. And it's funny you bring up the Entree 3000 album because the episode that is posting the week before this is with GJ. And we had a, a segment of that episode where he was trashing the album and being able to get his takeoff from uh, what we talked about at Black Expression. So I'm happy that this one is following it so that folks can see the true light that is Andre 3000 on the flute. Because man, oh, ever since I played that album for the first time, I can listen to that anywhere and just go to a Zen place and just like, yeah, like, let me just reflect, let me relax, let me breathe, let me think like, yeah, I, if you don't like that album, I, I I trust, I I judge you a little bit. I don't like to be a judgmental person, but if, you don't, if you're not rocking with the flute, I'm judging a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just such a, such a vibe. Uh, outside of what we have discussed, what else do people need to know about you to get a complete picture of who you are, whether it's things you like, things you dislike, uh, you already talked about your zodiac sign, whatever you want to talk about that you feel is just important for people to know about who Cleopatra is? Uh, I'm naturally a very shy person. I'm super introverted. And when we're talking about just like my personality and the way that I interact with people, I always go back to a story that my mom used to tell me, um, which is, you know, when she was in school in writing, if she broke her pencil, she would not write the rest of class because she didn't want to get in front of the class to go sharpen her pencil that's how like deathly shy she was and like growing up you know if she had to call you know to ask a question about a bill or take care of that kind of business she would have me do it because she was just so shy she didn't want to interact with people or possibly get into a confrontation um and so I took on a lot of those characteristics and traits plus I'm the oldest of six so I kind of had a built-in friendship base already so I didn't have to learn how to make friends until I was an adult already. Um, and so 13 years in the military, you kind of figure out, okay, I'm thrust into these leadership positions. I'm going to have to assert myself or I'm going to get ran over. Um, and then every couple of years, move into a new place, figuring out you have to create your own home here. You know, you can't just be lonely and missing family all the time. Um, it's kind of created this version of myself um, that is not natural to me, um, but it's definitely helped me. And so a lot of people that meet me now, they say, oh, I can't believe you're not introverted. You're an extrovert. You're not shy. You're so friendly. You're so sweet. And that like has nothing to do with nothing. So <laughs> for all the people that identify as ambiverts or that, you know, are on that introverted spectrum, um, but people, you know, don't necessarily present that way. Um, I'm definitely one of those girls. So yeah, I think that's something um, that I always like to let people know, especially for the people that are naturally shy or like, you know, get that anxiety talking to other people, sometimes in a one-on-one -on -one setting, more often in like group settings. Um, it's definitely something that you can work on and overcome. It's not something that's just a default part of your personality that you can't help. You definitely can work on it. Absolutely. Um when you were telling the story about your mom and the pencil sharpener, that's definitely me. I was that shy, shy as hell kid. Like I would, I would eventually get over the fear and go sharpen my pencil. But man, was that a thought process? I'm like, dang, I got to walk. Let me make sure I walk right. Let me go to the pencil sharpener. Who going to be staring at me? Big main character energy. I know, but Hey, that's, that's just what it is. And I'm definitely still a much more introverted person. Uh, I've, grown out of a lot of that shyness but I think similarly with what you mentioned about the military it was just thrusting myself into those positions where it's like yeah I, I work a job where I have to present to people uh even hosting black expression like I tell people I'm like if you go to black expression you're seeing a very specific persona of me hosting that open mic I can turn on and off the introvertedness but man after I finish hosting black expression I don't want to talk to nobody for a few hours <laughs> 
yes that recharge yes <laughs> yeah that recharge is so so crucial um cleopatra where can people find you and how can people support you and when you talk about support of course where they can buy keep it a buck but what are some ways that people can support you that may not cost any may not cost anything at all for sure. So the website is keepitabuckpartygame.com. Um, of course, you can purchase the game there, but there's also an About Us tab there too. I always encourage people to go there and kind of read that. It talks about kind of my upbringing and what does it look like? What does it mean to be a woman in society today and kind of em embracing sexuality? And what does that look like? What does that mean? What's the intention of the platform? It will be I think really valuable to me and to other people to kind of read that. Um, and then also to follow, uh, keep it a buck party on Instagram follow is support. Um, and then just to share anything you see on there. Um, I also have a personal Instagram, uh, Black Girl Magic since 1988. There's mostly kind of um, relationship kind of rants and selfies and some humor and stuff there. That's my main page. So anything I'm branching off to creatively, you'll be able to find there because I do have a couple things in the works um, that's going to launch early 2024. So you'll definitely be able to find that there. Um, yeah. Awesome. Keep it a buck, partygame.com. Uh, any shameless plugs, any shout outs, anything you want to manifest before we close out the podcast? Um, two big things um, that I really have just set my mind that I want to do. Um, so I'm claiming it and <laughs> praising God in advance for the follow through. <laughs> um taking after you because I don't know what you've written like 15 books already <laughs> but in 2024 I'm vowing uh, to complete my first book so any encouragement in that regard would be greatly greatly appreciated um and then I'm launching I don't really consider it an apparel line because it's going to be, you know, different things, but it will include um, some clothing items and other things. Um, and it's going to be called Bad Girl Good Vibes, thinking about kind of usher girls. So it's about confident women, um, clothing and apparel and other items um, with kind of catchphrases and empowering um, words on there. So those are the two next big things hoping in the works. Awesome. Definitely manifesting those for you. Uh, if I can be of any support in creating that book, or if you need any advice or feedback, definitely feel free to tap in. I plan on coming out with book number six, not 15 like Joe, but book number six is in the works. Uh, I plan on coming out with that sometime in 2024 as well. Uh, what about any takeaways from the episode? Or when you give your takeaways, if you could share a takeaway or two that you're taking away from this episode, but as well as what you hope our listeners are taking away from this episode. I would say for listeners, I hope that the takeaway is just self-confidence. Right. Things that you're unsure about, um, things that maybe you feel confident doing alone, but you don't necessarily feel like you are confident doing other people to take that risk. Um, because pretty much everything that we talked about today has been like a growth thing for me, something things that I didn't necessarily feel comfortable doing, wasn't sure mm. that I could do. Um, but just kind of that positive self-talk, coaxing yourself into doing um, those uncomfortable things until they are comfortable and then find something else that now makes you feel uncomfortable. Just that growth and evolution as a person. Um, I hope that's the big takeaway from this. Because uh, I think a lot of times when people see, you know, people doing things, you know, succeeding, bringing things to fruition, like, okay, well, that person was always like that. They were always grinding and hustling and, you know, just super creative. And like, that's how they've always been. And that's not usually the case. There's a ton of people with a lot of great ideas ideas um, that don't necessarily have a supportive team around them, but you don't have to have that to believe in yourself. You know, you can bet on yourself for anything that you want to do. Um, and I think the big takeaway for me personally um, from this, just kind of that piece that we spent talking about um, Black expressions and um, just kind of a reminder for just in a short period of time, because I've only been back here since June. Um, and I want to say I found Black expressions around August, September timeframe and just a reflective moment on the community that I feel like 
that I've built there. You know, you mentioned Ayana and which I love her. She's so adorable and I love her voice. And you know, just Ian, which I think he's so, you know, I always love he do his little fit checks and he came and blew us away with the saxophone. There's just like so many people um that I've met that are just like such kind, genuine spirits. Um, and you know, I'm used to being around a lot of family. So feeling like, you know, I've built that second family here in San Diego is just huge. And, you know, I know I enjoy going to the events, but I think within this podcast during this time it really provided me the opportunity to see like no yeah you enjoy going there but you're creating a community there and I think that's dope oh absolutely <laughs> and I think even just hearing you say that like it feels like you've been around black expression way longer than just August like I feel like I've known you at least a year now but uh, apparently it's only been like four months so that's really cool I think that my takeaway from this episode um, something I mentioned a little bit earlier, but what I want to reiterate is just affirming what you think your friends are good at, uh, just because I think that there's another scenario where you come up with these questions for this Halloween party and then people play the game and never say anything about it, or they don't say that they enjoyed it, or they don't encourage you to move forward with your passions. And I think that the more that we affirm what our friends are good at, what our friends are passionate about, I think it just makes it a lot easier for us to navigate this world. And I think that through this podcast, that's one of the goals that I want to make sure I always keep in mind is just to give people an opportunity to be affirmed. And I talk about this before recording with all of our guests. Uh, part of the impetus behind the podcast was just seeing celebrities' stories all the time, but not the people who I know are doing great work in this world. And sometimes, like most of the time, actually, I'll probably say probably 90% of the guests of this podcast this is the first podcast they've ever been on. And just to even validate that what people are doing is worth talking about for an hour, I think there's power in that. So uh, my takeaway from this episode is just to continue to affirm people uh, that you that you care about. I think that's so important. Yeah, I agree. And then last but not least, uh, recommendation corner. So at the end of each podcast, I like to leave our listeners with recommendations from our guests uh, and recommendations that can come in the form of books, podcasts, movies, songs, any piece of media that you feel is important for people to check out, whether it's to get to know a layer of yourself better or just something that you think is really dope that more people need to check out. And I would say you mentioned sex positive podcasts earlier, perhaps a plug or two for uh, a sex positive podcast that folks can check out if they're interested in learning more. Yeah, there's quite a few, um, and I, her name is escaping me. I think it's Chandra Boudram, but the podcast is called Lovers and Friends, um, and she's um, a sex and relationship, uh, I don't want to say therapist, um, but she definitely has several certifications, and the thing that I think is really unique and dope about her podcast is she speaks kind of from a clinical perspective, um, and she is just so good at breaking down the emotional attachment to sex. Like she has different um, guests come on, both men and women, um, to talk about uh, issues that they've had in their relationships or kind of their perspective on love and on sex. And usually even things that sound very like crass or very curt, she breaks down, you know, what about you? What about your upbringing really has you having this type of perspective towards sex? And let's break down why that's kind of keeping you in bondage and not giving you the ability to express yourself sexually the way you would like to. So I think she's super dope. I love that. That's called Lovers and Friends. Um, and then on the more raunchier side, just like for fun and giggles, um, I love Horrible Decisions. It's spelled W-H-O-R-E, like horrible <laughs> um, decisions. I love them. Um, I love cocktails, um, like C-O-C-K cocktails. They do like drink recipes for actual <laughs> alcoholic, uh, but they're also uh, very sex positive, very open. Um, yeah, and then one just not sexual related that I think is really, really cool is called uh, Sisters Who Kill. So for all the true crime mm. <laughs> that is really dope because black women are underrepresented in almost every area to include serial killers we be killing them too <laughs> it's such a uh. fun funny it's not funny it's a good podcast i love it because they have several segments on it but it's about you know 
kind of all the details of whatever happened to the person and then, you know, their trial. So a big aspect of it is, hey, did this person get a fair trial? You know, did they actually do this? Um, and kind of their place in society, is that what contributed toward them doing these acts? So I think it's dope. <laughs> yeah, you're not the first person to recommend Sisters Who Kill. Um, I'm curious now if I include uh, the underrepresentation of Black women in serial killing in the podcast title <laughs> or description, what's that's, what that's going to do for the search engine optimization. Uh, but that, that's that's just funny to end the podcast talking about the underrepresentation of Black women in serial killing. Um, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, Cleopatra, this has been a blast. I had a great time uh, getting to know more about you and your story and your journey. And I definitely am looking forward to our listeners being able uh, to engage more with you. Uh, listeners, make sure y'all tap in with Keep It A Bug, keepitabugpartygame.com, uh, follow on IG. And of course, for new listeners to the Banquet Hall, if this is your first episode, uh, we gave y'all five-star content. So make sure y'all leave us a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you give us a like, subscribe, and follow the Banquet Hall podcast at Banquet Hall Pod on all social media channels. Uh, we have around, I think this might be like the 55th story of the Banquet Hall podcast, something along those lines. Uh, plenty of episodes for folks to tap in with. So highly encourage y'all. You finish Cleopatra's story, go pick up another story, go pick up the card game. And we're going to catch y'all next episode. Cleopatra, thank you so much for your time and hope you have a good rest of your day. A happy holidays. And for the listeners, because I'm speaking into the future, happy new year. <laughs> happy new year. Bye. <laughs>